Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor, brought to you by Heart and Soul Broadcasting Services. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Elizabeth Valerio, the presidential candidate for the United Zimbabwe Alliance. If you enjoy this conversation, remember to subscribe, like, and share. Valerio, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. It's, it's a pleasure having you here. You know, I've been reflecting as we were planning for this conversation. Why is Elizabeth doing this? Mm -hmm. uh, I have no choice but to do this, Trevor. Really? Um, Why? Why don't you have a choice? You know what amazes me when I wake up every day and I look at Zimbabwe, the situation in Zimbabwe, and I, I'm alarmed that people aren't doing more. Um, I feel I have to do this. The direction we're going as a country is just not um, a direction that I can wrap my mind around and, and, and not be alarmed or concerned. Um, and when I say that, I'm mostly referring to you know, the, the lifestyle that people are living today. You know, the, the standard of living most people have on an average day, you see people, you know, who are not getting access to very basic things that in the rest of the world would be completely unacceptable. Uh, but in Zimbabwe, we're just continuing and it, it continues to get worse. Um, but more than that, what's, what, when I say I'm alarmed about the future of Zimbabwe, it's the fact that we're slowly losing our own country. Um, so why am I doing this? I'm worried we won't be Zimbabwe in We're a few years. We're slowly losing our own country. What do you mean? It's you know become apparent to me uh, that a lot of the priorities of the current government are not on uh, preserving Zimbabwe for Zimbabweans. There's a lot of emphasis on externalizing the benefits of our country. And I don't think that's what government is supposed to be doing. It's supposed to nurture what we have and ensure that what we have benefits the citizens of our country. So when I see uh, foreigners coming into our country and um, a lot of land is being distributed to foreigners, that's what's caused me to be mostly concerned because a lot of what's happening or what has happened over the last several decades can be reversed. You can restore, you can build, but we are not going to be able to recover the finite resources that we have that are our land, on our land, within mm. our land. Mm. And, and so I'm, I'm really surprised that not every Zimbabwean is as concerned as I am. Because when I look so, to the future, I just mm. don't see this turning out very well for us. Foreigners. Chinese? Chinese. There are a number of countries, I think, mm -hmm. that are exploiting us. Um, my greatest concern began with Chinese. I live in Wange and they were... Uh, Chinese coal mining um, operations being proposed or actually having been approved for Wange National Park. Um, and that was a Chinese um, interest. But you look across Zimbabwe, there are many different countries now. Um, and yes, there's this mantra of Zimbabwe is open for business. But to whose benefit? Yeah. You, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing you to say Chinese because there's a lot of whispers. We seem to be afraid 
to speak up, to say, what is happening to this country concerning our resources? And in particular, the preference that the Chinese and the ease with which, with which the Chinese are getting our resources is not right. Why are we not speaking out? Why are you not speaking out explicitly about that? So I am. I have spoken out explicitly, but I, I at this point am concentrating on a bigger solution. My initial uh, entry into politics was because I was trying to prevent Chinese um, I will say occupation of our land um, because it's it's become so widespread and so um, so concerning. The manner with which it's being carried out um, is not it's not benefiting the citizens mm. of Zimbabwe. So I speak out. I have I'm on record as having um, essentially rallied communities around this notion that we need to stop this. We need to prevent. Uh, the Chinese from from taking so much of Zimbabwe. And most of these spaces are important spaces to our country. They have sacred, you know, um, historic relevance, and we need to protect those spaces. Um, so very much I'm on record about the Chinese. I do think that people are afraid to speak about it. Um, most people in Zimbabwe, you know, they worry about the repercussions. What will happen if I really address these issues? Um, in the industry where I work, a lot of people are concerned about, you know, having perhaps their concessions revoked or whatever may may come. But that's not how we're supposed to live. As a society, we need that um, safeguard of knowing that you invest in, a, in an enterprise, you have the assurance that you can see the rewards of your hard work. You, um, you, you've just touched on a number of issues there, which I would want us to revisit, revisit down the line. But let's, let's go to 2020, when you... Um, uh, start this campaign around the Wangwe National, National Park, which then gives birth to this journey that you are upon, uh, embarked upon right now. Mm. Talk to me about that moment where you said, I think running for presidency is the solution. So it didn't um, come as a moment where I got to make a choice. <laughs> I was elected to become president of a political party. Um, but that's after days and days of sitting with people, searching for solutions. We had deliberations for three days, a group of 30 strangers who I had called and said, what is the answer? We need to protect these elephants in Wange. Um, we need to make sure our land remains with Zimbabweans. How do we do this? And after sitting with individuals who had a depth of knowledge from all sorts of backgrounds, the solution was... Let's create a government because the problems are centered around government. The choices that are being made by this government are what's causing us to be in this situation. And the only way you can fix that is actually by having a new government. Uh, so elections began amongst the individuals that were sitting there. And, you know, the last election was for the president of the party. And it was I found you. myself um, in politics for the first time. Um, it, <laughs> You, you, we're going to pursue that line of thinking, but I must ask you this question. You say a lot of people are afraid. Why are you not afraid that you're going to lose your concession, that you're going to lose your business, that your life might be threatened? Why are you not afraid? Yeah, I look, I had many conversations even with my husband as I had to break the news to him that I'm now going to be, you know, contesting for the presidency of Zimbabwe. And it was a lot even for, for us to, to think about, you know, what does this mean for our life? I, I have a relatively good life, Trevor. Um, we've worked hard. Um, all that I've worked for, you know, I'm supposed to be enjoying now, you know. Um, in, and so I don't know how to describe this, but I, I am more at peace today 
knowing that I'm actually working on a solution for Zimbabwe than I was during those weeks and months leading up to me becoming president of UZA. Mm. Because during those weeks and months, I was tormented by the idea that, you know, these, com these villages, you know, several kilometers away from me are being told they have to leave the grave sites of their ancestors and they have to move. Um, I was tormented by the fact that people are going to be creating coal mines, you know, coal trucks are going to be roaring through, you know, preserves, places that, you know, for our future generations should be enjoying, um, you know, and in those spaces are architectural sites that we need to protect. So I was racking my brain for a solution. I was saying, do we create a think tank, a pressure group? What do we do? And actually, it was all completely, that pressure was released when I realized we're building a new government. And what this government can do is create a better future for our country. And we get to choose the citizens. When I say we, the collective citizens get to choose what we want for the future of Zimbabwe. But has your standing up and saying, I'm going to be a candidate for UZA, has it stopped what they were doing in uh, Wanke? So, I, I, you know, taking a step before we even um, formed UZA, the cabinet actually made a, uh, they came to a decision and they had pronounced a ruling that um, they were not going to be um, permitting any coal mining operations within a national park. So I must say that rallying um, together as a community, our voice was heard. Um, and, and so I don't, I don't want to discredit the cabinet and the government from the position that they took. There is no coal mining operation within the borders of the national park now. And I'm thankful for that. We all were so thankful for that. But again, the pressure was now coming from other parts of the country. Um, and, you know, we as a political party have chosen not to necessarily focus narrowly on just that one space. We are now focusing on solving all the problems in Zimbabwe. We are building um, a constitution, I mean, uh, sorry, a manifesto that will actually look at every aspect of our society. So, you know, the tourism sector, the, the lands issue, all of that is just one aspect of what we need to fix. There are many aspects. And that's what was revealed to me as I was sitting with the individuals before we formed UZA. It's more than Elizabeth's concerns about land, you know. Um, I was able to create a self-sufficient environment where I created my own electricity, my, my own water supply, that sort of thing. I wasn't affected by the fact that Zinwa doesn't work or that Zesa isn't keeping the lights on. Uh, but after sitting with all of these individuals and understanding the hardships of every Zimbabwean, we came together and said, we're going to unite and build a new Zimbabwe that solves all of these problems. Mm. So government's job, right, is to address the needs of the citizens. Mm. Um, and this is probably why I'm so excited. I'm so happy. Share with um, me your excitement <laughs> and your happiness. I can tell as you're talking. Well, you know, over the past several weeks, we've been creating our manifesto. And, and you know, as you analyze this, Look, the solutions are there in our constitution, Trevor. It's not, a, it's not really something that you have to reinvent. The constitution of Zimbabwe says what's supposed to be done by government. But if you give the citizens now a new government that actually understands that mandate, it creates a different outlook for, for us in Zimbabwe. Mm. And, um, of course, we are also able to bring new ideas, fresh ideas. Mm. I think Zimbabwe has been stuck in this, again, nothing against... Um, you know, our mature uh, political leaders, um, they have their own experiences and they have what they sought to achieve for Zimbabwe. We liberated this country. We, you know, we um, ensured that there was majority rule. Those are important things. They're accomplishments that we should never discredit. But 
now it's time to start thinking about a different perspective and what we could do to now um, you know, restore and revitalize this country. We've lost a lot of our, you know, our lifeblood, our, our industrial sector. There's so much that is broken in Zimbabwe. Uh, so the excitement is in what's possible, but it's what's possible with the citizens of Zimbabwe because it won't work if we say government does it all. We need every citizen at the table with their ideas, whether it, start, it starts with their vote. And it builds up to active participation as citizens. Um, if we all come together and do the work that's necessary, Zimbabwe could be one of the most... But, but is, um, it, is it just through politics, Elizabeth, Elizabeth? Is it just through politics? Or could you do what you're doing without doing politics? Push back as much as you want. I, that was my argument uh, as we were sitting forming Uza, was, look, we can all in our different areas of expertise, work on the things. I'm, I'm chair for the Tourism Association for Wange, so I advocate for tourism and environmental you know, interests and conservation. You go and focus on, on, yeah. on, on, on financial issues, and, and, and we, I advocated for that. But you know, ultimately, the policies that guide and sort of direct the outcomes of what we do as as individual organizations and institutions or or in, you know entrepreneurs for example we we are in a way uh, limited in terms of what we can do so we've got to make sure we we holistically fix this issue mm. and it starts with government parliamentarians have to be sitting actually representing the citizens working mm. on the laws you know making sure that they are actually advocating for zimbabweans mm. you it's a crowded field um elizabeth the last time, 2018, there were 23 presidential candidates. And I think right now there's about six, seven or thereabouts. Um, what, what makes you so different from everyone else who wants to be president? We are all different. Each president is different. And each president comes to the table. What, what is Elizabeth offering? What's so different about you? Why should the people at home there take you seriously? So I think... You know, again, it's not about me as an individual. It's about the the values and the you know the principles that Uza brings our political party. Um, so I, I tend to not think that it's about the individual. And that's what's gone wrong in our society, in our in our current uh, you know sort of environment. Everything's about that one person and what they want. For me, it's about the the citizens. And so Uza has at the core of everything we do citizens engagement. And so what's different about me is I am going to actually enact what the citizens want. I want to make sure I'm here to deliver upon the promises that citizens are asking us to make. Um, and, I, and I sincerely feel that that has not been done over the 40-something years that we have. Even the promise that was you know, made leading up to the, the, you know, the liberation of this country, the promises have not been honored. And so... I am here to answer to the citizens, to say, let's sit at the table and put the solution together. Let's put it together with your input. And then let's work together on the deliverables. So that is a very different approach than what we've seen before, because oftentimes you'll find your, um, your, your individuals who stand or represent the citizens don't actually go back to them and say, what do we do? What is, you know, it, what is the answer to this problem? Um, and, I, and that is one of the core things. But I also am a very unusual candidate. I mean, in what in way? Terms of in what way? <laughs> um, well, well, let's do this. Let's take a break here. Um, please don't go away. When we come back, we're going to hear from Elizabeth 
what makes her very different from all the other candidates. We need to unlock the minds of Zimbabweans. Someone locked our minds and threw the key away. Imagine getting free access to the Newsday, the Standard, the Zimbabwe Independent, and the Weekly Digest for a full month. Well, you can, and all you need to do is download the Newsday e-reader app on Google Play Store or scan the Newsday QR code in any of the AMH print publications and start enjoying the quality content. time. Fambane chokwadi, fambane e-paper. Welcome back to our conversation with Elizabeth Valerio, the presidential candidate for United Zimbabwe Alliance. So before we went to the break, you were telling us how unique you are as a candidate. Do you want to break that down for us? Yeah, I, look, I don't like boasting about myself. It's 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 um, counter to who I am. But I, I do think that I've had this preparation all my life. I think if you look at even from when I was a child to where I am today, um, you know, I've had exposure to a range of different um, aspects of what affect us as, as citizens. So I've been an entrepreneur from a very early age. I had a mother who was a, one of the first really established businesswomen um, first black businesswoman in Zimbabwe. She had businesses throughout Zimbabwe. Mm. Um, I also happen to be a scientist. I was educated in the scientific field. So I've had exposure, international exposure. I worked in the United States as a biochemist. I have an invention to my name. I don't think any other presidential candidate does. Um, you know, and, and in addition to that, I've worked in the, you know, cultural space, the tourism space. So I'm really broad in terms of the things I've done. I was one of the first people, I think the first person to bring STEM to Zimbabwe, STEM education, um, through a, a, you know, regional program we introduced in, uh, Matebeleland North. I happened to share my pr presentation with Jonathan Moyo, and then the next week it was a national program. So I was happy about that. Um, but the point is that I've done a lot. I've achieved a lot, and I'm also quite self-sufficient. So I don't need anything from politics. I'm not here to, you know, to gain power or, or, or wealth from politics. I'm here to, to truly fix our country. Um, but I've got also this, this inherent thing within me that I feel I'm called to serve this country. So I, I've got a lot of very different aspects to me, um, Trevor, and you're the, looking at me and saying this woman. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at you because you say you are different and unique, but I'm, as you're talking, I'm hearing so many different voices of people that have said the same thing. I am sure. called to save. Okay. Uh, God is in it. God has spoken to me about this. So it's, 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 uh, that's why I'm looking at you with like, uh, so what makes, um, um, Elizabeth different? But in any case, let's go to the point you raise about your being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Talk to me about where were you born? Where was Elizabeth born? I was born in Harare. Mm -hmm. um, and where were you educated? Who's your so, mother? Who's your father? So, just um, let's go there. Yeah, my parents were um, were business people. Um, my mom was, uh, she started off as a teacher. Who's your mom? What's her name? Isabel. Isabel Madangure. That okay. was her surname. Okay. Um, is she late now? She's late. Oh. Yes. Shanangurai. Shanangurai was the name she was more known as. Okay. Um, and she was, you know, I think one of those people who behind the scenes worked a lot on trying to support the, you know, the transition to an independent Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. You know, she... Um, when I was a little girl, I remember we had a farm that, you know, my parents had bought. They already had factories that they were making ceramic plates and cups and, 
Um, my parents also had, um, you know, a range of businesses. Actually, if I think about it, they were they were quite enterprising for that time. And who is um, your father? Your father? My father. Um, he was he was a, a he was he was born in in Europe. Um, Where? In Germany. Okay. He was a German. Um, he transitioned to Africa initially uh, because he was a, a gourmet chef, uh, trained to you know in culinary expertise, and and he was on an internship, interestingly enough, but he met my mom. Um, and in those days, it was very taboo to have multiracial um, relationships. relationships. And the, my parents got married when um, it was illegal for my mom to even go to a public uh, you know, restroom in, in town because she was black. And my father um, ended up living in Highfields because that's where he was accepted more than in the white suburbs because he had a, a, he black, had a black wife. wife. Yeah, so I had, I had very um, interesting memories as a child growing up. Um, you know, and your parents had a shop in Highfields. Do you remember? Yes. What was it called? Um, Pamachi Pisa. It was probably called Pamadangure. I'm not really sure, but because I went there recently to look for this place. So I remember, you know, playing in front of that shop or sitting on the counter in the shop. It was a grocery shop. Yeah. Um, and I met an old man there. Interesting, Trevor. Um, and he he pointed out the shop to me because I had not seen it for a number of years. Mm. Um, and which is. school did you go to? So I for primary school, I moved around a little bit. My mm. parents were um, always evolving in terms of business. So my first school was um, in Hatfield. Uh, I then went to a private school, in a boarding school, because my parents were traveling a lot. So they put me in boarding school, Martindale. Mm -hmm. um, I went to Bulawayo for a while. Good um, school there. Whitestone. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was privileged. I went to all good, good private good schools. schools yeah. um, Chisipiti in, in Harare. And then after that, I went off to the United States. Mm -hmm. um, so I... What what were you going to do in the United States? What degree I wanted to be a business person because uh -huh. that's what I saw mom and dad do. By the time I left, my mom was now um, in the fruit and vegetable business. She had hotels she had built. Um, and so I thought I'm going to just do my own thing. And I had already started a few businesses of my own. Um, at a young age, I, I um, already took an interest. What businesses in, were those, uh, so Elizabeth? So in those days, you couldn't get imported chocolates and sweets and, and certain things. Uh, I started a shop in Buloeo. Um, my, my older brother was also quite enterprising because he was helping to run my mom's businesses. And I remember... I actually convinced a shop owner to subdivide and give me a section, and I built a very fancy little shop. I was 15 years old. Um, I then also created a, a, you know, sort of a fashion um, trend in a way, in a way, because I, I also created um, a range of clothing that were made by local Zimbabweans, uh, but unique clothing that were somewhat, you know, uh, innovative in terms of design, um, and I wanted to sell them for a very high price. <laughs> People didn't have the money for it. Um, but, you know, I, in a way, I, I was exploring the things mm. that interested me, I suppose. Um, and later on, my interest in terms of business um, faded when I we were going through the HIV AIDS pandemic here in Zimbabwe epidemic. And um, I was very concerned because a lot of the people I had grown up with were dying of AIDS. Mm. And I was now in university in, in the States. Which university um, did you go to and what did you study? So my undergrad, I, I went to California State University, mm -hmm. um, which is in, in Southern California. Um, and it was a general biology degree, okay. initially marketing and business, but I evolved into a, a biology degree. Um, and while I was in my undergrad, um, I was then, 
I was mentored, I guess I was recruited into a mentoring program that was for people of color who um, the, some of the, the industry sectors in the scientific field realized they didn't have enough black people or brown skinned people um, working in, in the biotechnology space. So I was recruited to work for an internship, actually. And then I was um, mentored by someone who worked in the biotechnology industry. And I was I was preparing for my MCAT. I was going to go to medical school. Mm. My mentor explained to me that you could help people in many ways. One way is you sit at the bedside and help one patient at a time, serve the patient, right? Um, or you can actually impact an entire, because I was so keen on, I need to fix the problems in Africa. I was already doing that, like <laughs> even in undergraduate. You're always um, keen to fix our problems, I, aren't you? I, like I said, I'm very unique. <laughs> I've always had that. Um, you have a co-invention. Talk to us about that. What, what invention is that? So I, this mentor um, in the internship that I had, I, I worked in a laboratory that um, was for one of the largest biotechnology companies in the world. And um, I was studying and analyzing how to optimize um, the efficiency of how you can deliver a drug into a body. Um, so if you think of insulin, for example, it's actually, it's delivered in a crystal form, right. um, which ensures that it releases over time, it's safe. You study how, sta how safe it is once you've injected it into a human. So I, I was doing, carrying out these, they're called stability studies. Mm -hmm. um, and I was studying what's called an IgG2, a, an antibody, and how that affects our body. And I, um, I, I was the first person in the world, I suppose, to crystallize an IgG2 antibody um, that focuses on bone density. Mm. So we um, have now a product somewhere in the world that my name is on um, that basically increases bone density. So you think of women and they, you know, they um, tend to lose bone density as they get older yeah. and frailer. Um, so this is a, a new formulation. Mm. And the, the invention is how to, you know, formulate that in a crystal crystallography type of uh, format. So real science, but... Um, absolutely, very, absolutely. Very, um, Stuff that's, uh, that goes above my head. Well, no, but Trevor, interestingly now that I'm living in Zimbabwe and I was like, okay, we can start biotechnology programs. And that was really initially one of the things. I did a bit of consulting with the government in South Africa trying to figure out how to transfer knowledge and get people in Africa, starting with South Africa, because they had infrastructure to, to innovate and, and you know create our own medicines. Um, but in Zimbabwe, what I realized was we need to go back to basics, actually. So I'm learning things about indigenous, you know, plants and how they can medicinally help, help us. our bodies. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of, you know, validity to some of this. So the science translates, mm. you know, it's not necessarily in a big fancy lab, but mm. we're doing it in the bush in Wange. Mm. Um, <laughs> Let's go to, you, you said you are in the process of putting together your manifesto. Yes. Um, I mean, the elections are five months away or so. Is that not too late to be putting in, a putting in place a manifesto? So it was important to us that before we created this manifesto, we go through the process of really understanding what Zimbabwe needs. Again, it's not about my opinion or the few of us that are in the national leadership or even you know, our constituency leaders. We had to make sure the citizens were able to inform us. So we spent an, a year and a half carrying out an exercise. We went to every constituency throughout Zimbabwe, asking people under the trees, like, what, what is it that you want? You know, what's happening right here, you know? Um, and that has informed our manifesto. So I don't think it's too late. It's the mm. culmination of us researching and learning. And now I'm working with a research team that's a bit more, you know, they're refining it and making sure it aligns with, um, you know, sort of the bigger picture. What, what, what is it that the people are telling you? Let's focus on three. What are the three core issues 
that the people under the tree are saying this is important and it's going to be part of your manifesto? So I think one aspect of that is there are a lot of um, citizens in our country that are being left behind. Uh, so I think very much so we are going to look at a scenario where when we are in government, everyone has access to opportunities. Uh, in Zimbabwe right now, a lot of what you get is based on who you are aligned with. So if I'm politically know? aligned with a particular party, I'm more likely to get these things. And that's very sad. So a lot of people are unable to truly um, express their, you know, what they want in society because they're afraid of the repercussions. So equal opportunity, mm -hmm. access and opportunity mm -hmm. for all citizens is really important. Second one? Uh, the second one is, uh, you know, the idea of corruption and the impact of corruption in our country. Um, you know, regardless of where you look in Zimbabwe. Do the people under the tree verbalize that issue of corruption? Yes, they do. Because um, I think become, people are becoming a bit more savvy than they were in the past, perhaps. Um, everyone just accepted that this is how it is. Like, yes, we know you know, this is the sort of stuff people say to me. Um, but we want also to be part of that. We are Zimbabweans. We also now, want to eat. You know? <laughs> and so people are saying it's not okay anymore for a few certain people to benefit from what we have in our country. Um, so corruption at all levels throughout the country. And when I say corruption, it, it even boils down to the basic things of people saying to me, I can't get a birth certificate. Mm. You know, I'm not able to, um, you know, get the basic things that I want. I'm a business operator and I'm not able to, you know, to, to, to get my license or my permit without some sort of, you what know. What would be the third thing? The third thing I would say for Zimbabweans ultimately is um, people want to ensure that they have meaningful return for the work that they do. So our money has become very devalued. Um, even if you work in Zimbabwe, you know, you feel like there's really no return. So everyone is hustling. Everyone is trying to just survive in our country. Um, and I think, you know, the overarching, you know, um, issue is that people feel they don't have security and, mm. you know, what they're putting their efforts towards. That's why they go out of the country. That's why we're losing half of our citizens to other mm. countries. Mm. Um, and that's a big problem because that affects us in terms of what we're able to do. We're losing our brain trust. So that's what they're telling you. That's what people are telling you. How is Uza and Elizabeth going to fix this stuff? Well, um, you know, again, when you look at the issue of, um, let's start with, with uh, you know, the security of working for what you return. Uh, a lot of these factors, just by purely having a, a stable government with policies that don't shift and change every day, you find that you've got a, an environment where people can invest with more confidence. Right. Um, that will create industry and that industry, the industrial sector can then create jobs. Um, you know, we want a Zimbabwe where politicians are held accountable. So all of these things underpin what value we bring to our economy as a country. Um, so those are some of the things we are working on is accountable government, separation of power, all of these factors that make sure that we have a functional government. Uh, when you look at uh, the issue of um, you know, some of these other issues, a lot of it is aligned with the rule of law, you know, being able to know that in Zimbabwe, we have uh, the ability to count on, um, you know, a free and fair environment and I won't be um, sort of victimized. Yeah. Um, I think 
to, to a certain extent with Uza, when we look at our political candidates and when we look at the leadership within our party, um, the idea of giving preference to only Uza members doesn't exist. We have entrepreneurial ventures. We have projects right now that we're launching and rolling out throughout the country. Every citizen should benefit. I don't look at an individual and say, you know, what's your, your membership status with Uza? No. Where's your card? <laughs> exactly. Um, yes, we, we need our members to be there. We need them to support the party. But this is about fixing the country. But do you find that that thinking is embraced by your members who are, I will assume, you know, have been part of this culture of getting T-shirts, of uh, uh, lining up for cooking oil because you belong to a political party, lining up for Matemba and Milimil. Is, is, that, is your approach received by your, your members? Not all. Um, it's sometimes a learning curve. Uh, I believe in Zimbabwe we've got to reprogram our minds and the way we think and the way we look at things. Um, we're teaching people to question, you know, why, did, why does this thing happen the way it does? Um, so no, not all are receptive at first. And, and sometimes there is that expectation. We go to a new area. And, my, 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 you know, what have you brought for us? You know, Mawiane, I'm sorry to keep speaking in Shona here, but... No, no, let's, the let's, let's, Shona is our language. <laughs> Debele is our language. As Kulume, that's Taure. I understand. Um, we, we literally have individuals saying to us, you know, what are you, what, what are you bringing to us? And we're saying, you know what? It's you that has to be part of the solution. And, that and what do they say? What do they say? That sometimes doesn't... After sitting with people for a while, you get to a point where you do find reason. Um, once they understand what our party stands for and they understand the context of, of UZA, why we exist, um, you know, what is happening, we point out, of course, you know, this is the reason why we are in this situation. Uh, and of course, we've got individuals who are very good about talking to the point that even if you get a cup of rice today, if I give you a cup of rice, what is your child going to eat tomorrow? Um, is this really benefiting you? So let's talk about long-term solutions, sustainable you know, I'm, I'm, solutions. I'm glad, sorry to, to, to jump in, I'm glad you raised the issue of the mindset. And I want to hear what your response to this is. Because I actually think, Elizabeth, that the biggest hurdle, the biggest issue that requires to be fixed in this country is not our roads and infrastructure. It's not the electricity. The biggest thing that needs to be fixed is the mindset, is our national psyche. The 43 years of ZANU-PF rule, the corruption, the corruption of our values and everything else has messed all of us up there. And until we find a leader who addresses that, we're not going to fix this country. What's your pushback? I 100% agree. Um, we always say we need to unlock the minds of Zimbabweans. Someone locked our minds and threw the key away a long time ago. We need to find that and unlock it because there is no way that we can progress as a nation um, until we address that. I, I'm, I'm, I mentor a young man who um, has decided he doesn't want to be part of the opposition. He will run as, an, as a member of uh, the council for ZANU-PF. And he was giving me feedback. He says, you won't believe this. I sit with a crowd of uh, these supporters and say, we like what you're saying. Mm. And we think that you're going to make an impact. But what are you going to give us? Mm. That side gave us rice, ne cooking mm. oil and so forth. Mm. That's the mindset. Yes. How are we going to yeah. overcome that? People uh, are excited Elizabeth? about elections because you know, that's literally it. And we are, look, uh, you know, there, there are certain things we have come to accept. We have to probably have the t-shirts and the caps. We do have our own t-shirts. So we you're succumbing them. to the pressure. No, no. I think sometimes it's this sense of like, you know, you've got to find a, a middle ground, right? You have to be able to, it's not, 
it's not that we're succumbing. We are, we are, we are, mod, we are man, managing the process and saying, okay, we need You're to blending. establish. I wouldn't say that. Like we will never, we're not, we're not chameleons who change based on what's happening, right? Um, you've got, you've got your established brand. People yeah. need to identify with that. And they need that confidence to say, ah, if we go in front of people, I need a t-shirt that represents, that identifies me, you know, but is that really what it means to be Uza? And we, that's where we try to drill down a little bit deeper, but there are things we will need. We'll need tools like t-shirts. Look, we, we are wanting to make sure that people know and Uza. cooking oil. Um, not cooking oil, though. See, I would rather someone make cooking oil and teach yeah. them how to make that yeah. cooking oil. Yeah. And we're doing that. You know, I, we, we have entrepreneurial benches that we are wanting to roll out with, within communities. What are these benches? Do you, mind, do you mind just outlining them for us? Yes. So it's some of the, the most simple things. Mm -hmm. like women are selling tomatoes at the roadside and we're saying... Can't you do something slightly different? Couldn't okay. you make soups and powders that are utilized and branded and, you know, marketable? Um, couldn't you look at uh, using some of the, the natural plants you have to create, I'm thinking things like beauty products mm. and things that we import from other countries. Um, you know, we also have very innovative young people right now who are looking at you know what can we do in the energy sector what can we do to become self-reliant in certain mm, very sectors? important questions i'm um, going to stop you there now we're going to take another break please don't go away when we come back i'm going to be asking elizabeth about her lineup as far as the leadership is concerned what will she do supposing she loses the election and uh, elizabeth is involved in business in uh, victoria falls what are those businesses why didn't elizabeth join the existing political parties. Did you take a look at them and say, no, I'm not going there? To our conversation with uh, Elizabeth Valerio, who is the presidential candidate for the United Zimbabwe Alliance. So, Elizabeth, what's your leadership structure like? Who is your deputy president, for instance? Um, mm -hmm. If you could just go into, into that. So, at the national executive level, um, we, the vice president is uh, Reverend Frank Mplana. Uh -huh. He um, contested in 2018. He was with Joyce Mujuru's party at the time. Um, we have uh, representatives in our executive leadership from various provinces. Our youth chair, for example, is from Mashingo, mm. um, Chingrai Chabata. A very vibrant youth with a lot of experience. I learn a lot from him, actually. Um, from Manikaland, we have our national chairperson, Garikai Mluambo. Um, we have uh, Rebecca Ndlovu, who is from uh, Kadoma, and she's uh, the Engagement and Mobilization Secretary. Tracy Meth, our, our treasurer for, for national um, but we have structures essentially at the national level, constituency level. Uh, so sorry, you're provincial. going to be con um, contesting parliament throughout the country, local government throughout the country. You're going to be fielding candidates throughout the country. Is that what you're saying? That is our intent, yes. Okay, we are that's in your the process. Intent. Yes, we're in the process now. Um, candidates having been elected, we are uh, going through the vetting process as we speak. There are some areas we're still working on. You mm -hmm. know, it's a new political party, so we've got to break ground in some areas. We've, we've covered almost the entire country, um, but I think just being able to identify, you know, um, enough of a constituent base that can then elect their, 
their mm. leaders is, mm. is where we are now. Is there anything that has surprised you as you have gone about finding candidates, finding members? What surprised you the most? The the I'd say the the youth are very determined. Um, I'm I'm so proud of you see being a woman. Everyone says, "What's it like being a woman in politics? Are you not afraid?" But I've got some young women who are stepping forward and saying, you know, and they're not a lot of them. I wish there were more. But the the determination of young people, I think, is what's really encouraged me. Not surprised so much, but encouraged me mm. um, because you know it's easy for a young person to just fold their arms and say, uh, "We'll see what happens." Uh, but they're stepping up and they're saying we want to make sure that there's a different Zimbabwe. Mm. Um, so the ones that are stepping forward are surprising me by their intellect, their um, you know their preparedness, <clears throat> because you can see they've thought it through. They're analyzing mm. how best to um, really ensure that they position themselves for for, for their. Posts. You know, Elizabeth, listening to you and 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 being in the same space with you right now, I am asking myself. Why didn't Elizabeth join the existing political parties? Did you take a look at them and say, no, I'm not going there? And if you did, why did you decide not to join the existing opposition? I've been offered the opportunity to join other political parties, and I didn't see them really aligning with my values and what I saw for Zimbabwe. I also have had to do a really honest look at the, the, the success of these parties and what it's anchored around. Is their success measured by what's happening in the communities with the citizens, in our educational system, in our hospitals, you know, in our businesses? Or is it centered around what they're gaining from politics? And so I can't uh, see any uh, political party in the current government that I would say this is the party that really is delivering upon what I would want to see promised to Zimbabwe. So, mm. you know... Have I, you not as, received that criticism of you are weakening the opposition, you're dividing the opposition. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come together with other forces? If you look at what is democracy, democracy is about people choosing who they vote for, choosing if they want to stand in, in government. So the moment we start talking about weakening this or changing that or aligning people to certain parties and saying you must go this direction versus another, you're not democratic anymore. So no, I, I don't think we're weakening anything. We're strengthening the political space by bringing new ideas to it. Um, we believe in a politically plural Zimbabwe. I want to see different political parties um, participating, engaging each other, speaking to each other. I, I, you know, I think that's one of the missed opportunities. We need to exchange ideas and say, what do we then do? You have a certain number of seats. I have a certain number of the seats. The more, the merrier. Um, the more, the merrier. You create a marketplace of ideas. The yes. best ideas win. Exactly. Rather than this binary politics. Right. That there ought to be two political parties, and if you are not in any one of them, therefore you're enemy of... Uh, I couldn't have put it any better. This is the problem with Zimbabwe, is we think that the solutions can only come from two places, and, and that's not the case at all. Mm. Um, but also what I see in politics is a lot of... Um, you know, when when you look at the opposition space, the main opposition, uh, the fragmenting that's happened over the past uh, several years um, sort of has made it very difficult for me to understand what or which direction the party goes, right? Because mm. regardless of the splinters, um, it's still from the same source, right? So I don't see how that then continues to bring unity to the country. Mm. And that's some of what we talked about when we were creating UZA, because 
I did say, why why do we need to create a new government? Um, a, a and new sitting party. at the table, a new government. Mm. Oh, right. Um, because sitting at the table were individuals who came from, you know, a range These of different political, political parties, parties yeah. Yeah, whether it was Triple C or MDC or, or ZANU-PF. Some of them or had, people had, first. You know, or people first, yes. And, and they all had been mm. disappointed by what they had experienced. So I had to learn from them too, in a way, because I've never been in any political party mm. other than UZA. Which is a good thing in a way. Talk, talk to me now about, in your experience, is the playing field level? It's not level. We already know it going into it. It's not level. So why are you going into it knowing that it's not level? Because the citizens of Zimbabwe, I think, have the ability to counter those unlevel, unfair aspects of our election environment. I think if citizens take a stand and turn out in numbers and vote, nothing's going to stop them, regardless of all the attempts to do whatever it may be. Um, I think that um, regardless of what... Um, you know, we are going to face, it will come down to that one factor, and that is people voting. So it's a choice that what the Zimbabwean citizens have to make. What are you doing to make sure that people get out? We're investing time in, 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 in conversations with, with citizens, conversations like this. Um, we're investing time in the citizens. We're meeting them where they are, um, trying to really emphasize the importance, the value of their vote, because most of them don't understand the value of their vote. Um, so this is why you see people being, you know, willingly giving away their vote for a cup of rice or for some sugar, because they don't understand that that is actually a choice they're making to choose the new government. So education is so important. It goes back to the mindset. Do you think that, I mean, we've talked about the, laying, the level, uh, the playing field, and that's the run up to the election. Is voting itself going to be free and fair? It's part of the, you know, the unfair environment we're facing. Um, I, you know, you look at the delimitation process already, um, you know, there's so many issues that we're facing. And I know some are advocating for us to completely scrap the elections or postpone them, I would say, is what, what's being proposed. Um, I don't think that's the answer. There are going to be so many um, variables uh, that we're going to have to face, whether it's when you go to your poll station and you're told you're actually not on, you know, on the voters roll or you um, are in a poll station and they say we don't have electricity. Let's take the ballot box where we can count the, you know, the votes in a lighted area. All these factors. Right. But we've got to we say as Uza, you've got to register to vote regardless. Verify where you are registered to vote, turn up to vote and then defend UZA votes. That's what we, that's the mantra we are preaching to all of our, our, our patriots, as we call them. You've got to defend the UZA vote. And so we'll have, um, you know, of course, all our polling agents and all of the factors that we have to ensure um, are there uh, to create a, a fair electoral process. And, and we do hope that, you know, others will come on the ground to provide oversight and help ensure that there's safety for the citizens. We don't want to see any violence as we go to elections, all of these intimidation factors, keeping people away from the vote. Um, we don't want to see that in Zimbabwe. Wow. So, you know, I, I had Robert Chapman here um, for a similar conversation. And I said to Robert, before he came on board, I wasn't going to vote. Mm -hmm. And I'm still, you know, sussing the situation. You hear, mm -hmm. I, I like what you're saying. You sound like a human being. Uh, not, a, not one of those scary politicians out there. But I must say there's still something in me that says there isn't an option yet out there. Mm. 
So Elizabeth would really need still to convince mm -hmm. me that I need to go out. If I had my mm -hmm. own way, Elizabeth, I would say, I don't think the, the solution is going to come from an election. The election is going to be rigged. I okay. think the solution will come out of Zimbabweans having suffered enough to say, away with political parties. We need to sit around as a people, the church, mm -hmm. the business community, and let's decide who we are. What do we want to become? Okay. What's your pushback? Interesting. So, look, I, I, I've always said that right now we're in a, in a political um, sort of framework that was imposed on us, right? So, if you look at the historic background of Zimbabwe, we, were, we had royal houses that, you know, are now essentially not even given a voice in how we run our country. Um, there are a lot of thought processes that can go into this. Um, first of all, I'm very disappointed that you haven't decided. If you don't understand how critical it is to vote this election, um, we've got to have more conversations, Trevor. <laughs> um, but, you know, the answer right now is not necessarily to come up with a completely different solution. We need to work within what we have. And that but is do you hear my concerns as, as a voter? Do you yes, hear my concerns? I do. I do. But again, it depends on if you're looking at it from the perspective of do we start again? Because look at how many years that process would take, Trevor. You're going to take an enormous amount of time. And you're going to, Zimbabwe can't afford five more years of this, let alone another two decades of trying to retool and reshape who we are as a nation and how we govern ourselves. Those processes can come in place when you have a proper government that has parliamentarians that can then debate on the parliamentary floor and you know, advocate for these changes. What we need to fix will be done through that process. The problem right now is we don't even have individuals in parliament who are coming with that type of a mandate. They're literally going along with whatever's being yeah. imposed on them. Yeah. So this is the problem we need to fix. Then you can start looking at how do we reshape what it means to be a Zimbabwean, you know, a country, a, you know, a, a sovereign nation. And what framework do we want to bring to play? Mm. But you can't do it unless you change this government. Hear me loud and clear on that. Mm. I hear you. I, I hear you. We, we would need more time for you and I to and vote for Uza. Uh, vote for Uza. <laughs> You, Uza participated in yes, 2018. We did. You put out candidates in both local and, uh, and, and, and national level, but you lost in all, the, in all those. We did. What lessons did you learn from that? And lessons were what we were looking for in that by-election. What, what we, lessons did you get? Um, so we had never, I had never participated in an election. Uh, we had individuals who had, and so they had experience with the electoral process. Um, but as a political party, um, you know, we wanted to go through the exercise of understanding and we did hope to have our candidates um, succeed and, 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 you know, gain those seats. Um, but the lessons I think we learned were mostly in terms of, um, you know, the, the logistics that are involved in, in participating in an election are enormous. Um, and so when you now scale that up to an entire country, um, you know, we've, we've been able to understand what we learned from those four separate um, you know, uh, constituencies where we did participate. We made a mistake um, when we did that. Uh, we participated in areas where we had not been campaigning all along. So we worked mostly in rural areas to campaign and develop our, you know, constituent base. And then we contested in urban areas. Um, 
So that was one thing that I think also disadvantaged us. But mm. keep in mind, too, that it takes time for the voter to know you, to understand mm. what you stand for, to believe in your party. Mm. Um, and we're hearing now more and more people are saying, Uza is the way. If we know this party, we've now been working, walking on this journey together. Mm. So, you know, it was ambitious. It was a starting point for us. And we're happy that we participated. You know, I, I like you because you've done something. You have built things. You have real experience. You've run a tuck shop. <laughs> so you bring something onto the table, and I, I, I love that. Um, let's go to your businesses in Victoria Falls mm -hmm. as briefly as possible so mm -hmm. that people appreciate sure. the experience that you have. Sure. Yeah. What are those businesses? Yeah, so we currently have uh, tourism destinations in multiple parts. It's not just in Vic Falls now. We are expanding to other parts of Zimbabwe, but essentially tourism destinations where we are bringing, um, you know, tourism into the country. Um, I've built, uh, you know, two resorts in Wange, for example. Um, we also are, you know, really working to highlight and, and uh create awareness of the cultural is experience. Is it Guango yes. and Gobelo? So Guango is the name of our um, tourism brand, um, and that encompasses lodges, conference space, restaurants, um, accommodation. And we've we've worked on two playing fields in a way, one very high upmarket exclusive, and the other is more for the average traveler who is more budget conscious. Uh, we also, the Gobelo brand is really what I, I'm so excited about because it's about harnessing community and creating something we can taste and eat and feel. Mm. So whether it's, um, you know, putting together sauces from the Miripiri chilies from the community, um, we're creating our own products that go along with the food brand. Um, but then we also now are working on things like soaps and, um, you know, hygiene products and, you know, other things that will also harness the, you know, the, the, the community ability. Um, and then in, encompassed in all of that is the cultural element. So we have cultural tours, which are about really highlighting, you can't come to Zimbabwe and just see the elephants and, you know, see the lions and, and only leave knowing that. You've got to know the people. You've got to know the sound of their drums. You know, you've got to know, um, you know, what it, what it feels like. You've to got be, the... Vanambia um, cultural ex yes, exhibition. Talk yes. to me about that briefly. It started actually out of a desire to learn about the people that lived in the area where I was um, living. Um, having been raised in Harare and, and a little bit sheltered, I think, from culture, although my mom was very um, cultural, uh, I felt like I needed to know more. And so when I moved to, to Wange, uh, I spent a lot of time just sitting around fires with the elders from the community. Um, I've always brought people together. It's always yeah. been part of what I do, even, you know, in everything I do. Um, so I we would, we would share stories. Yeah. Thank you. We would share stories. Um, and they would tell, you know, and I came to realize that some of the younger leaders, whether they were chiefs or they were traditional leaders, some of the younger ones didn't really know the history. So we would talk about the folklore and, you know, how the Nambia people came to be in Wangi. And it turns out they're from Great Zimbabwe. Mm which is where I'm from, you know. So they migrated um, to this part of the, the country. I've done work on the Tonga culture as well. I've looked at Ndebele history. So there's a lot that I'm trying to learn and showcase, but we chose to exhibit the Nambia because we found there wasn't much in terms of their cultural experience. Um, and so there's an exhibit at Guango that showcases... Um, all of the Nambia, the stories. I'm publishing a book, Trevor, mm. that tells the stories of how the Nambia, um, you know, the journey they've had over the The years. team is telling me to wrap up, but uh, <laughs> I, I, must ask you, I must ask you about funding. I mean, that must be a big challenge. How are you finding 
funding your political activities? Yeah, so we're self-funding as as members of the political party, as citizens, whether they're in Zimbabwe or the diaspora. We need a lot of help, certainly, because going to elections, um, t-shirts need to be bought. <laughs> um, but yes, we are we're relatively well established as a party. A new party, I think we have more than most. We've got offices, we've got vehicles already established on the ground. We've got a lot, but we need more to okay. be able to successfully contest in every constituency. Um, so funding is, is from the citizens. Um, that's really been the source. Let's, let's, let's play a fun game now. Um, what's your favorite Zimbabwean dish? Sadza. Sadza ninyama. <laughs> There's nothing like it. I also happen to like all of the exotic foods, like, you know, mm. matumbo mm. and that sort of thing. But sadza barnan is my, my favorite dish. Who is your role model? My mom. Your mom. Hmm. Yes, my mom. Why? Oh, you're going to make me emotional now. So my mom was, if I think about what she went through as a woman all those years ago, um, she was ahead of her time. She never saw barriers. And I think in some way she lives in me, her, her spirit, you know, she, you know, she was a woman who was driving lorries and trucks when women weren't supposed to drive, you know, we were supposed to be in the kitchen cooking. <laughs> I remember sitting with my, you know, my, my grandfather in his home and um, Sekuru saying to my mom, you know, I always saw my mom as a equal to men, you know, she just, she had that, that trust. Um, so my mom was enterprising. Um, well ahead Shall we of her give time. you tissue paper now? Uh, no, I, <laughs> <laughs> I wish she was here. Mm. I would have so benefited from her advice. You know, um, she was the first woman in Africa to form a political party, standing against Mugabe. Mm. And everyone knew you must fear Mugabe, but she, she would walk into his office and tell him what she thought. Um, my mom. I'm glad, um, <laughs> I'm glad we took you there. Um, what's your favorite app? On what's your favorite app? There's an app called Asana. Mm -hmm. A S A N A. It keeps me organized. It's the only way I can keep track of all the many things I do. I'm on a number of boards. I'm, you know, on a number of different types of, uh, you know, um, community projects. So it keeps me uh, task oriented, and, and that's that's the one I use. What's the first thing you do when you get up? Uh, get out of bed. Kiss my husband <laughs> when I'm with him. That's when I'm with beautiful. him, because I haven't seen my husband in in weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, I'm always on the road now, mm. and he's so like um, my husband. I've been told that I'm. I've got many husbands in Zimbabwe, by the way, because people assume I'm married to people with the same name that they know. Um, but my husband is. He's someone who left everything he had abroad to live in the bush with me. Um, to honor what I had promised to my mom. And so I kiss my husband and thank him for being with me. What's your favorite beverage? Oof, that's a <laughs> Lemongrass tea, I would wow, say. beautiful. Um, so we have grown all sorts of things in Wangi, a lot of different types of natural plants, and I'm, I'm experimenting a lot with making our own beverages. Um, so lemongrass tea is the, the thing I love right now. Let you go before we discuss books. Mm. So we're going to talk about books now. 
what books have you read that would want to recommend to our book loving audience? There are at least three books that you've read. I see yes. you've brought a book. Yes, what, so this what's one the significance I, of this book? So one of my mentors um, gave this to me just recently, and it's not, you know, I'm actually very early into it, but I'm, I've got so much to learn about the institutions in Zimbabwe, um, sort of the state and how it functions. I'm not historically a politician. So uh, this particular book, State Politics in Zimbabwe, it's by Jeffrey Herbst. Um, very dense, very heavy, but it's it's very, um, you know, fact-based. And so this is going to give me a lot of insight. And I'm, I'm enjoying what I've read so far Good. about what post-independence, what that era was like and, and how we've shaped some of the institutions we have. I recently read Tsitsidangarempa's uh, book, um, uh, The Morning Body. Uh, and so I just, I appreciate literature from Africans. Um, I'm a Pan-African as well. And so I'm very interested in, in trying to hear the voices of African authors. And mm. as a Zimbabwean, I wanted to know her voice and what, right. you know. Um, I also have very different reading, uh, you know, preferences. So uh, Walden is a book about you know, this gentleman that lives on Walden Park, mm -hmm. um, Henry David Thoreau, I'm sure is the name of the author. And that book, because I, I have lived in remoteness, in wilderness, and, mm -hmm. and, you know, learning about how you can live with less, right? Because everyone is all about prosperity and I need things. And I've got lots of things right now. I've got cars and homes and all that. But sometimes, Actually, it's the lesser things, the simpler things that are more important in yeah. your life. And so this book sort of grounds you and it talks about living literally on a pond and, and, and you know, removing all the encumbrances. That's beautiful. <laughs> that's beautiful. So I'm, Elizabeth, I'm diverse in my Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you so much. We, we're glad you accepted our invitation to come. Um, tell me, what will happen if you lose, just in case you don't win? So our mission as Zimbabwe, we were saying, let's unite and yeah. build Zimbabwe. I'll yeah. continue to build Zimbabwe. Um, and so building Zimbabwe, it goes beyond politics, right? We've got our work to do in every corner of this country. Mm. I'll continue to work on it. Fantastic. I love your spirit. I love your authenticity. And then clearly for me, if, if, if you're going to be my leader, you've got to show me what you've done. And you've done quite a lot. And we Thank wish you, you the best um, in the race that you've, you've, you've chosen. And uh, hopefully we will sit on the other side of 2023 and... Uh, Have a uh, woman as president. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> something of that sort. Thank Elizabeth, you. thank you so much. We wish you the very best. Allow me now to tend to our viewers uh, who follow us every week. Remember, we are out on YouTube 7 a.m. Central African time every Monday to ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations such as one I've had with uh, Elizabeth here. Remember to subscribe, like, and share. Also, go to our website um, where we've uh, put all our conversations and also put our podcast of all the conversations for your listening pleasure. Until next time, cheers to you all.